This is Kent Roundy, a USH med student. We've got three students here today, and we're going to talk a little bit about successful clerkship rotations. And uh, let's do some introductions. My name's Cam. I'm a fourth year medical student at Rocky Vista. I'm Angelo, a third year medical student at Rocky Vista. And I'm Rhett. I'm also a third year medical student at RVU. So this topic came out, uh, Cam and I were talking a little bit about how to have uh, learning on a rotation. And we thought we would both pursue um, different lines of thought about that. On my end, the idea would be, what is the evidence for having successful students? How do preceptors have a better role in improving the outcome of the learning for the students? And Cam, you're going to take an opposite approach, which was? More of uh, the student's perspective. What can a student do to kind of take charge of their rotation and, and make the most of it? So I, did, I didn't find a lot of information. There are, um, I think, if I understand correctly, and, and again, I'm, I'm not sure how well I understand this, there seems to be some push in Canada. The Canadian medical schools are working to improve the quality of teaching, and, and it seems like the way they're going about this is to teach medical students how to teach. So it's, it's starting to uh, pervade the didactic. But it wasn't clear to me what process was going to work. As I looked through the literature, it seemed that medical students have a lot of different learning styles and um, I think just as many learning styles as students have, teachers have equally as many types of teaching styles and you know, I, I was left a little bit disheartened at the end of my search. When all was said and done, there was a lot of anecdotal data about, hey, the way you interact with your students seems to improve the quality of their clerkship. But I, I don't know that I've had a lot of information where students had a dramatic change in their outcomes based on the types of learning or the way that preceptors went about things specifically. It seemed like maybe some fields were more interested in, in developing better teaching than other fields. There, was more, there were more studies that were uh, listed in PubMed. And I, at the end of the day, I think it was mostly even in a lot of ways, it was like survey data, right? Outcomes yeah. data based on surveys. And I'm wondering what you found, Kim. Well, I found a lot of the same things. I think uh, there's. it's difficult to find some, like, you know, hard numbers, some hard data, randomized trials and, you know, things like that uh, in terms of what's best for medical students to do to improve outcomes. Um and a lot of the suggestions, or I guess a lot of the information I found was more anecdotally based. And so um, I, I feel like that might be one of the weaknesses here, but also one of the strengths. I think we all go through medical school and we hear, oh man, to do, you know, to thrive in this class, this is, this is the instructor, here's what you need to know. Um, and so I know that we, we have thoughts about maybe doing that for this rotation specifically in another podcast, but um, but yeah, mo most of the stuff that I came across was more anecdotally based and uh, identifying some routines and some habits that you can develop as a student. Even the best data, I was very skeptical about it after I read a, a very interesting study. There was a medical school who, at the end of a series of teaching, they had their students um, evaluate all of the professors 
and they put a dummy professor in the list where they had never the, the professor had never taught a class there was no such professor and they didn't put a picture with that professor but uh, 66% of the students actually evaluated a professor that didn't exist didn't teach anything and um, they, they did it again the next year to see, you know, is this real? But the second year they put a picture with this uh, non-existent lecturer and only about 50% of the students actually evaluated the professor they had never seen. Um, that still worries me. It leaves me with the idea that in many cases when there's not a close relationship between the student and the attending I, I'm fairly certain that the attendings are not sure who they're grading and the students are not sure who they're evaluating. And, and I think that's, uh, th that's a problem, right? To get the kinds of numbers that they would need for the, the data for better teaching and learning. Um, boy, I, I would hope there's more fidelity in the process than, than maybe what these surveys seem to suggest. Because the surveys, um, I, I'm, I'm I'm a little hesitant to go very far with those. Sure. And that was the most of the data that I saw. Yeah, and, and, and I think that that's maybe one of the sharp divides between our preclinical years and our clinical years, too, is that, uh, at least in our situation with RVU, most of the time we're either two-to-one or one-to-one -one with our preceptors. And so that opportunity of getting to know, as a student, getting to know your preceptor, and hopefully from your perspective, you know, the preceptor getting to know the students, it might give us a little bit better opportunity to be able to kind of develop that relationship, so to speak, and, and for the preceptor to kind of get the, to know the students and, and be able to teach to their level, um, which I think is one of the strengths here. But, uh, but I think that, that from a student's perspective, there's, there's different ways that we can go about it in order to make the education our own. So I want to do just a couple of things. Um, out of the data... Uh, well, let me back up. I, I think I want to ask two questions, or one question each of Rhett and Angelo. Angelo, Rhett, this is your first rotation. And the night before the rotation, um, you guys slept like babies, had a wonderful evening, no stress, no concerns, or was it different than that? You know, it, it could have been a little different, if I'm remembering correctly. <laughs> Just a touch. Everything you said, the opposite. That, that's how it was. Yeah. So stressful coming into a rotation, especially the first rotation. What are your fears, Angela? What, what are the kinds of things that you worry might happen? Um, it was like um, Dr. Roundy said, it was my first rotation, so I wasn't sure. My greatest fear was, I guess, the fear of the unknown, because I didn't know what was going to happen once I got here. I mean, the Google Doc that he provided was really helpful. The read me first was really helpful especially but I didn't know what each hour of the day was gonna look like or I didn't know what the day was gonna look like and I didn't know what each hour was gonna look like because I was that was where I was coming from yeah and, and I felt similarly I again being our first rotation I didn't know what a rotation looked like so I think there was kind of that double dose of anxiety um, and, and I'm sure going into each rotation going forward, knowing myself, there will be some anxiety and, and uh, certain worries that will come up. Um, but yeah, this, especially going into your first rotation, it's, it, it can be a little bit nerve-wracking. Um, what, what happens? What do I do? Where do I go? How do I contribute? How do I not 
do something negative. Um, uh, so there's there's a ton of stuff you can worry about if you let yourself uh, start to do that. So Cam, it all gets better after the first rotation, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> With a very stark sarcasm. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I mean the the anxieties are still there. Uh, you get a little bit more accustomed to those anxieties, though. You've had those experiences where you have screwed up a couple of times, which is totally fine. And as students, um, you know, we we have to understand and accept that. But uh, as far as navigating some of those rotations and, and some of those situations, I feel like it does become easier, though the anxiety still kind of hangs around. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it doesn't just go away, I think. Sadly. That was my experience. You, you pointed out something. I, so along the way, I, I think... Um, we've set the stage and now the pearls. I want to start with a couple that I think dovetail in very nicely with right now. Mm -hmm. And that is, um, even if you have a preceptor that is not happy with something you've done, generally speaking, they're going to be unhappy with the action or the, the event, not necessarily with the student. And so I think it's very easy to personalize everything that goes wrong around you and worry that it's um, all about you. And I think the reality is um, some of my you know, very enjoyable students have made some of the biggest mistakes along the way. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they still remain an enjoyable student because it's, in many ways, it's about the effort, the intent, and the desire to do really good things. So uh, even even if there are bad events, sort of like sure. you're saying, Cam, I I think those can um, they can kind of be you know put into a different space. It's not just that you're a broken, worthless human being that mm -hmm. should have never gone to medical <laughs> school that should not be let near people. It is quite the opposite that hey, this is a learning process, and um, any uh, any learning process has mistakes along the way. Absolutely. What are some of the other um, maybe bullet points that somebody could take from this discussion mm -hmm. to prepare themselves for a rotation camp. So we, we had discussed this at length yesterday uh, in a separate conversation, and, and there were some of the things that I brought up, but as I was kind of thinking about it since yesterday to today, there was one thing I wanted to add. Um, my suggestion for anyone before their rotation is to get an idea of what resources you want to use to study on the rotation, whether it be uh, flashcards. That's kind of in my wheelhouse, Anki flashcards. Um, you can find plenty of them uh, using first aid uh, and then some type of question bank. Um, as much as we want to get away from you know, some of those resources after the first two years of medical school, it is absolutely imperative that you outline some resources that you can trust. I would suggest two, at most three. After that point, I feel like it's just way too much. So that would be my first suggestion. Let me add on to that just Please, a little yeah. bit. Um, one of the things that I think we learned out of the uh, initial disruption from coronavirus was that students were testing better on their shelf exams spending less time on the rotation with their attending physician. I, I've joked at times that uh, attending physicians have a way of dragging down scores. I don't think that's accurate. What I do think is that the shelf exam materials are very valuable and having that time set aside for that is a critical part of doing well on the test. 
I feel like it's a way for you to to set a great tone for the rotation. Uh, and, and it kind of falls in line with several of the other points I, I'll make here in just a second. But I, I very I very much believe that that's imperative for any student. Um, so dovetailing into that, with those resources, uh, my, other, my next suggestion is always formulate and ask uh, questions. Even, and this might be controversial, even if they're questions that you know the answer to, it allows you to be able to get a discussion going with your preceptor, and in some regards, it helps show them that you're interested in their field of medicine, um, even though you might not have any you know, desire to pursue that as a residency or as a career. Your job here in rotations is to maintain an open mind and, and maintain kind of that focus uh, and try to quote unquote specialize for that month. I think that's uh, probably reasonable. I would, I would maybe add one caveat to that. I, I tend to feel like um, students that find some aspect of learning that they're passionate about. I think your school, or maybe Rocky Vista in Colorado, called it rabbit holes, going down the rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. Maybe that language has transferred to your school. Um, I, I think you can ask questions about things you know something about yeah. and you're truly curious about. I think if you're asking questions that you're not truly curious about, it probably won't um, come across the way you're hoping or the way you're talking about I completely agree. And, and in our discussion the other day, Dr. Randy, you had laid out this fantastic point of view of that uh, we should really be pursuing curiosity in, in a lot of this. And I think that third year opens us up to that opportunity as students. And so with that, those resources, with these questions that you're formulating, I, I completely agree. I want, I want to second that, that it should be things that you're genuinely curious about. Yeah, gen so. genuine curiosity is always clear. Where else would you go? What other so, bullet points? Yeah, the other thing I would say is, uh, uh, actually I'd mentioned this in the first one, just keeping an open mind. Walking into these rotations, uh, you know, some people might say, oh, well, I don't want to do psychiatry or I don't want to do surgery or this, that, and the other. I think that maintaining an open mind and in, in coming into any rotation so that you can, as, as whether this is possible or not, objectively weigh this information and objectively weigh this specialty and see the benefits and the necessity of each of these specialties. Because in the end, when you're finished with residency, whether you like it or not, you're going to be interacting uh, on the regular with these other specialists. And so uh, I think maintaining an open mind allows you to be able to have a, just a solid perspective of uh, medicine in general and helps you to kind of cross those borders uh, later on in, in practice. And probably even patients that have multiple comorbidities. Absolutely. And understanding how to tackle those. I think when I went through my um, third year, I, I don't know that I knew what I was going to do. I, I was leaning towards internal medicine through a lot of the time. But I think I started every single rotation with the idea, I, I, what if I want to do this? I, I might want to do this. Yeah. As opposed to keep an open mind, you know, hey, who knows what will happen. I think I even took it one step further. And interestingly enough, I think I, in part, decided to go into psychiatry when my last attending, last rotation of the year said, 
yeah, we heard you might be the one student in this class that was going to go into psychiatry. I was like, what? <laughs> Who said that? Oh, okay. Well, maybe I know where I'm going. That's now, you know? awesome. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I, I, I guess I didn't want to be too forward, but that was absolutely the way that I approached each one of my rotations. I, as a fourth year, have just decided, I feel like, just put my eggs, most of my eggs in, in a basket. Um but that was the difficulty I felt like because I very much enjoyed each one of them. In all fairness, there are a lot of students that uh, will say, hey, you know, this is, this is what I always wanted to do. Yeah. And, and that's okay, too. Absolutely. With, with me. I, I wonder Absolutely. if some attendings get a little bit like, well, you're saying it? Yeah. Really? You're yeah. supposed to be here pretending you want to be on this rotation, right? <laughs> sure. I, I, I actually um, enjoy very much having that information. But I, I, I don't know how that plays out. I think students generally are nervous to say, yeah. yes, I'm not going into your specialty because I think your specialty sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say that they probably refrain from that. So the next one that I usually suggest is, is always adopting an attitude that no job is too small. This sounds pretty straightforward, I feel like, but in practice, um, I think as students, there's a, a lot of opportunities for us to be able to help out and contribute. It might not be in the way that we think uh, is, is always the best. Rhett, you and I were talking yesterday and we were chatting about the opportunity to do uh, consent forms for these for our patients here on the unit. Um, it, when I was working in the ER, grabbing water for our patients or grabbing blankets for them uh, is another example of that. Um, you know, things that, that you can do to help out the team at large is is easily one way that you can make it or have a better experience on the rotation i feel like and that that actually goes hand in hand with something that dr park from the ivan's campus emailed to me there's a bullet point uh, a list of bullet points um, that is in the disclosure document i have and and they say something along the lines of not that every job is no job is too small sure but along the lines of spend more time trying to help your patients than impressing your attending. And I think that speaks to exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Right? Um, because in, in the end, it's, you know, the, the jobs that seem small or big, they all have some learning associated Absolutely. with them, it seems like. Absolutely. And that's where the exciting part comes in. I think that sometimes, I, I think, again, Rhett and Angelo, you guys had mentioned, it's it's difficult to know how you can contribute and how you can help initially. This perspective, taking care of our patients, being patient focused is, is easily one way that you can start contributing on day one. Um, and I found that the more and more that I focus on my patients and taking ownership, uh, the more and more, I guess my, as a result, my attendings are confident in me. Um, and, and so I, I highly suggest that if truly, if you want to impress your attending, you'll focus on your patients more than focusing on on what your attending will uh, will think. May I add to that, Cam? Yeah, absolutely. Um, here on my first rotation, I will say that I've found the more time I've spent with patients, um, and I wouldn't have anticipated this, the better my learning, even in a very academic sense, has actually gone. Um, because I've gotten to know, we're, we're obviously on a psychiatry rotation, I've gotten to know medical problems that mm -hmm. a lot of patients have that I didn't realize they had. Uh, and I've been able to correlate those to what I've learned or use that as inspiration to go back and, and do a little more research. Mm -hmm. um, so 
I do find that. I, I think it, it feels great to contribute a little bit. Sure. Um, but don't think that you're going to be kind of giving up on the learning aspect, which, of course, is our primary purpose here. Uh, not at all. I find it enhances it. Yeah, I, I agree. So, the la- yeah, yeah, just the yeah, last, last thing one. that, that uh, I was thinking of, and, and, and Dr. Roundy, again, I, I wouldn't say that I've made edits, but more of taken a, a perspective that you had talked about that I really, really like. And I wish that I would have thought of this sooner, but I, from here on out, that I'm going to think of this. Uh, I like to, even at the end of each week of my rotation, uh, not just halfway through, walking up and chatting with my, my preceptor and saying, what suggestions do you have for me? Um, you know, I, I know that uh, I, I usually would ask, what can I do to improve? And Dr. Roundy, your perspective was just spot on with this. Um, I feel like we're learning as, as medical students. We're, we are bound to make mistakes that just is what it is. But if we look at suggestions, uh, it, it helps us to be able to not necessarily internalize them, but help to feel like we're progressing forward. And, and you said it much better than I did, if you want to take a, a stab at that. I, I think um, the first time we talked about this when we were you know, kicking this idea around and and even doing the hour-long podcast that was too long for the topic. <laughs> sure. Um, we, we talked about asking for feedback, which sounds very remedial, ah, yeah. right? It, it sounds like, okay, I've made mistakes. Tell me what I did wrong. Sure. As opposed to, hey, what kinds of suggestions do you have for me to keep moving forward, right? One feels like it's it focuses the attending on, on maybe shortcomings, and the other one focuses the attending on a student that's interested in learning. And so I, I think it maybe is um, nuanced in, in the sense of how you approach the rotation, right? And I think that that's, I, I love how you, you focused that in because that was the spirit of what I was trying to get at. And so fi- or finding maybe some better ways of explaining it and just asking for suggestions on improvement. So just as a quick recap, again, uh, find good study resources before your rotation starts uh, at the beginning asking good uh, questions that, that you're curious about, um, keeping an open mind with each rotation, finding jobs to do, even small things to help out uh, around the unit or, or wherever you're at, and then looking for and, and seeking out suggestions from your preceptor. Even, I mean, if it's not too much, kind of gauge the situation, obviously, but even weekly uh, from, from your preceptor. Um, these people and I'm speaking to students here specifically, these people have not only set aside time, but have a great desire to teach. So there's this idea that we're going to be berated by our preceptors, I think is not necessarily true all the time. I've found in my experience that that a lot of the preceptors, specifically with our RVU students, are very open and, and very excited to teach you. That's why they have you with them. And so tap that resource and, and take full advantage of that. I want to try and put this in a bigger package. And in part, you're saying things that have been invented already. Sure. Right? These, these are ideas that are out there. I'm quite convinced that there is a secret document, I've got my air quotes up, <laughs> that exists uh, that goes through the nature of all of the attending physicians that you are likely to rotate through and says a few things about them, right? I can neither confirm nor deny the authenticity (laughs) of this document. (laughs) And I think that there's also um, 
probably somebody who was pretty successful on the rotation and said, gosh, you know, I used Anki flashcards this deck. I used, um, not up to date, but uh, what's the, what was the You book? were older. Well, the, there's the question bank and then the book, the First, the first, first aid. aid. Yeah, First Aid was emerging, I think, 20 years ago when I started, mm -hmm. and it seems to have become even better. Right, so these are things that are invented. Look for somebody who has invented these things. Yeah. And and follow that advice, because that's kind of the stuff that's, that's in that hidden document that yes. nobody knows about. <laughs> but then I would add one other thing. I had this amazing student, Dr. White, is who I'll refer to him now. Um, he went by a different name here. But I talked to him on the phone a couple of days ago, and he's clearly Dr. White. Now it's it's this amazing transformation that has taken from this amazing medical student to an amazing physician, a peer that I, you know, I've been looking forward to this for a very long time. And as I was talking to Dr. White, it became very clear that the crux of all of these positives that are happening, these check-ins, hey, what, what uh, suggestions do you have for me? And vice versa, from the attending to the student or the resident to the student, what do I need to get for you to have a more successful learning experience, right? It's based on one thing, and that's communication. Mm. This all comes back to communication in many ways, and being able to talk to your attending or your attending talking to you, learning your name. If you're an attending and you don't know your student's name, that's, as they would say in the military when I went through, you are wrong. <laughs> Correct? You need to know your students' names. You need to know something about them, where they're from, what what their passions are. Um, I try to learn those things without focusing on, are you going to be a psychiatrist or not? <laughs> right? So so I try to set up this, this situation where students actually have the comfort level to communicate. I don't know that I've ever done that consciously, but the more I've the more I've become comfortable with students, because I, I don't think I felt that way initially. Uh, I think Dr. White would say that I didn't communicate nearly well enough. And Kim, you're very, very kind. You say, hey, you're communicating pretty well now, so yeah. there must have been a change. And I think that's probably true. Um, but I think, I think even Dr. White lays out this very, very telling narrative that successful students and successful attending physicians and, att and successful residents talk to the people that are teaching them and that they are teaching. Yeah. And once you have that ability to feel comfortable in communication and not fearful about communicating, I think that's where the success starts. I agree. Absolutely. Um, let's go ahead and tie this one down. This one is uh, now at 26 minutes and what we want to do is end this podcast and then set up a podcast that students who are coming to this rotation can listen to at uh, maybe 1.5 speed <laughs> and get done in 10 to 15 minutes. And that that gives them voice to um, some of the other resources that I've tried to put together for the rotation so that they can have specific success for our rotation, for my rotation that is. So, uh, last words on this conversation. Cam? Um, yeah, just mainly enjoy yourself. I would say I think that that's the biggest thing. Communicate, like you said. Um, I think that those are, are some of the big takeaways. So, um, For me, the biggest takeaway is get on the unit first day, communicate with patients as much as you can, even if they walk away from you. Um, <laughs> maybe the next day they'll stay and talk with you more. Um, and 
just doing that will help you, you know, form relationships with them um, and to, um, you know, see their pathology in person rather than just read about it. Agreed. And um, Cam, thank you for the notes. Uh, you've been an excellent mentor while I've been here about how to rotate. And uh, this has been kind of a more formal summary of your ideas and really appreciate that. Uh, and Dr. Roundy's idea about communicating, I think it comes down to that. So uh, don't be afraid to communicate with your attending. Uh, as we said, there's a lot of intimidating stuff coming <laughs> into your rotations, um, but, but don't let that stop you. That would be a mistake. For sure. I think even though this was supposed to be sort of a tie-up, I want to maybe go back to the fear of communication just a little bit. Uh, Rhett, both you and Angelo had to ask me something that I suspect was incredibly terrifying. Um, Angelo, you had to do it twice. Mm -hmm. You had to ask me if you could disappear from my rotation to be able to take uh, step two and... Or step one and level one. Step one and level one tests, mm -hmm. right? They both happened during my rotation. And um, before you asked, your thoughts were what? What was I going to say? Uh, my thought was, I w it was like the beginning of the rotation and I was kind of like, hmm, how do I ask this now i usually wait until the end of the day after we finished you know podcasts with previous med students because i didn't want to just like intrude or interrupt anything and you know i was like i'm like the lowest one here so i'm just gonna wait till everyone who's up there finishes what they're on yeah and and did you need to wait no i did not did waiting <laughs> help your anxiety no, it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I, and, I, and by anxiety, I mean about the situation. I think, Rhett, you emailed me early on. Your your test was early in the rotation. It was. Easy to email and ask, uh, hey, by the way, do you know that I have this multi-thousand dollar event going on that took me months to set up? Mm -hmm. Coronavirus has already fouled it up three times. And you're trying to you know, summarize that without like, you know, I, I, at least yeah. I, <laughs> no, I mean, that's exactly it. It's uh, This is an attending physician who I know is incredibly busy. I'm trying to explain, you know, why I had to reschedule this thing in like two sentences. Um, yeah, so, so there was some anxiety there. Um, as you say, I think maybe getting it done really early helped because just because I didn't have to live with the anxiety as long, but totally, uh, totally nerve-wracking, yeah. Yeah, and again, if there's a problem about a rotation... I think as long as you're asking a very reasonable question, if something goes horribly wrong, your school will protect you, mm -hmm. right? So in my case, had you said, hey, I need to be gone for the test, had I said no, what would have happened? I mean, the honest answer to that is I would have reached out to our regional coordinator, to Dr. Miller, who's the dean in charge of clinical education. and. I'm sure they would have then been in contact with you and kind of sorted things out. Um, that's, I don't even like to think about that. That's right. right. But, and, yeah. and, and, and at the end of the day, there are things you have to do, yeah. and really all you're doing is telling me, yeah. right? And not you're not asking me for permission. I mean, you, you are, but you're not, right? It's, it's a very tough spot. And, and I think that's as difficult as the communication can get. And my, my guess is, Cam, when you've had to do, communicate things that you think are difficult with your attending physicians, they are less difficult than you imagine. Oh, far, far less difficult. Uh, I have, I always, I guess to go off of what Angela and Red said, always thought that the attending would be like, 
uh, no, sorry, uh, or give me, like, the minimum amount of time to get stuff done, and I found it to be the complete opposite. Um, I think that there's been several times with you, Dr. Roundy, where, you know, I, I've texted you or, or grabbed you in the hall, and you've given me not just ample, but maybe an excessive amount of time, or suggested or offered it at least, uh, to, to make sure that I felt comfortable enough to get things finished. I found that to be the case with the vast majority of physicians and, and with all of them have been very reasonable because we have to remember, guys, they've been through this before. <laughs> they, they have walked this same path. And uh, as much as we want to tell ourselves that they don't remember, uh, these are the uh, searing portions of, of medical school that are very difficult to forget. And so there is empathy there. <laughs> I, I remember the saying fondly, they can hurt me, but they can't stop the clock. Yes. <laughs> and I don't think it was my attendings trying to hurt me. It was the process, right? Oh, the yeah, process yeah. is difficult Absolutely. enough. Absolutely. Guys, what a wonderful discussion on that note. Team out. Team out. Team out. Team out.